Welcome into Tales Never Fails. My name is Steve Kramer. Appreciate you checking out the show. On today's show, we're continuing our team by team, division by division season previews with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We have already covered the AFC East, AFC North, and the first two teams in the AFC South. We will be continuing, like I said, with the Jaguars today. If you missed any of those previous ones, please be sure to go back and listen to them. If you don't follow us on Twitter, at TNF underscore podcast, be sure to do that. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I'm joined today by Mr. Parker Hurley. Parks, how you doing? Doing well, yeah. Ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars. An interesting team, considering how we viewed them just last season versus how we viewed them this coming season. You know, obviously the end of Bortles and all of that. So uh, we'll see, we'll see, you know, where they can pivot to. Parks and getting right into this, they uh, they hired ex Vikings offense coordinator John D. Filippo, who didn't really get along um, with Zimmer up in Minnesota, and you know they have to roll with Cousins, so they decided to give a new look offensive coordinator there. So he ends up in Jacksonville, um, and he was the Eagles quarterback coach with Nick Foles en route to that Super Bowl win. So we can talk about the quarterbacks: Cody Kessler and Blake Bortles are out. Nick Foles, four years, $88 million, 50 guaranteed of that. And they also drafted Gardner Minshew at 178 parks. How do you feel about their quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to automatically. I mean, if you've listened to the podcast in the past and you know my stance on Blake Bortles, you'd probably look at this as an upgrade for sure. It's just the question you have to come around to is how big of an upgrade. Um, like you said, I think it's good that you have Filippo, a guy that Foles was obviously familiar with, um, you know, won a Super Bowl with. I think they had signed Filippo with the intentions of he's a guy who could get Nick Foles to come to Jacksonville, and obviously that's what happened. The interesting thing, that, like you said, Filippo clashing with the Minnesota Vikings and Zimmer's philosophy, well, Zimmer's kind of a defensive head coach, run the football, control the clock, everything like that. That was his offensive philosophy, whereas DeFilippo, um, I think the Vikings were like top five in the NFL in uh, first down passing and deep passing. Um, that's what DeFilippo does. Um, he's, you know, he's, we're throwing the football early and we're throwing the football down the field. Um, that obviously clashed with Zimmer's style of control the clock and run the football. Like you said, when the losing combines, um, Zimmer gets control, one of them has to go. What makes this interesting is that you look into the Jacksonville Jaguars the past two seasons, Defense and running the football, right? You know, we drafted Leonard Fournette fourth overall. That's, you know, our big asset. We took it to the AFC Championship. Um, we'll get in, into, you know, all of that. But ph- philosophically, you're saying um, DeFilippo is in another clash potentially with a similar head coach um, in terms of his ideals um, of offense. So how much control does DeFilippo have? He has his quarterback. Um, is that a package deal where, you know, these two control their thing? You know, uh, and the rest of the team kind of has to operate on, on t- in terms of this is how the offense is going to run. Um, and then you wonder, you know, how long of a leash and everything. Um, so that's going to be fascinating. But um, going from John DeFilippo into Nick Foles, like I said, you have to like that Nick Foles is an upgrade. And everybody's going to call him, you know, the Super Bowl winner. And you definitely have to, you know, respect the fact that he was able to win um, and, you know, show up in, the, in those big situations and everything like that. The thing with Foles, though... Is that you know he he has a bigger um, he has a huge sample of work that you can kind of you know go through everything and he's kind of still always been the same quarterback where um, you know the first thing that you always have with him is he gets the ball out quick 
and that's going to be good that, you know, he'll be distributing the ball around to everybody. Um, he'll be getting the ball out of his hands quickly. It should suffice for an offensive line that was probably getting annoyed by the fact that, you know, Bortles holds the ball too long. Bortles takes unnecessary sacks. You're not going to get those unnecessary sacks in them. As we're going to talk about the offensive line, um, sacks really started to pile up as they started to go down. Um, you're going to see a team that's not going to get nearly as many sacks due to the fact of Nick Foles. The other thing with Nick Foles, though, is, and it helped him in Philadelphia um, multiple times, is he, he just has that, like, effort gene. Like, you know, he just has that, you know what, I'm throwing this thing. Like, he would rather... He would rather lose by throwing an interception than lose by, you know, holding the ball for too long and not getting it to his guy. He wants to give his guys the chance to make a play on the football, you know. And when you have, um, you know, that great offensive line and Alshon Jeffries, a jump ball guy, and, you know, just give me a chance and I'll come down with it, um, it's, it's obviously going to work. And, you know, when he has first-year Chip Kelly and Chip Kelly's, you know, scheming up to Sean Jackson wide open into the open field and Foles just says, F it, I'm throwing it deep, it works. Um, when it's, he's with Jeff Fisher and the skill players aren't very good, he's still saying, F it, I'm throwing it up for grabs. And, you know, and it doesn't necessarily work. Even with Andy Reid, um, when he was the Chiefs backup, you know, it was obviously a small sample, but still... Um, doing very similar things, and it didn't work, you know, so that's where you have to go back to Foles and say, you know, how much is he elevating this team, where Carson Wentz was the supposed MVP whenever they were going to win the Super Bowl, so how much, you know, they were already, you know, how much is, was it just that team was just really good is basically what I'm saying, you know, how much, you know, if every quarterback you stick in there is an MVP or a Super Bowl MVP or a Super Bowl winner, you know, was, was that what this offense was doing? And, you know, you even look into it. Um, he was really bad whenever uh, Wentz got hurt immediately. Um, it was like three weeks in the, at the end of the regular season. He was really bad because they were underdogs in all of their home playoff games. They had home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But um, he was also really bad in that first playoff game against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they put up, I think, 15 points in hole. Um, it was a lot of running the football. He obviously completed enough passes, but um, so he struggled in that playoff game. They get up on the Minnesota Vikings in the opposite quarterback is Case Keenum, who kind of really helps dig himself into a hole. So, um, you know, doesn't do too, too much in that regard. And I'll give him that the Super Bowl performance, he was excellent. Um, the Patriots defense was super overrated. And um, I, I bet on the Eagles. So, I mean, that's where I'm saying, like, I, I like Nick Foles. I bet on him to win a Super Bowl. But... From somebody who bet on him to win a Super Bowl, he's only played like, you know, like a handful of like actually seriously good games. A lot of it has just been average to mediocre, um, you know, throwing up these tight, you know, tight situations, everything like that. So, I mean, it's going to come down to the fact that they need to build a lot around him. It does help that you have Filippo. It does help that they're going to have a very similar mentality. But it also, I don't think Foles carried the Eagles to a Super Bowl. And I think he actually did, um, actually played pretty well. Um, his best game of his career probably was one of his last games against the Bears. Um, and I think he does, you know, he was a guy that, like I said, he had that effort gene. And then when he fell from the Eagles, kind of lost his confidence. And if you're a confidence player and you don't have your confidence, that's tough. So, I mean, he has... He built up his confidence, and he's talked about how, um, you know, using his lows to get to highs and everything like that, but he built up his confidence back up to, he's going to, you know, take those throws, he's going to make, you know, give his guys shots, it's just, you know, it's, I don't know necessarily how much he's going to carry them, uh, it's still an upgrade for sure. You get into Minshew, the backup, um, and I like him as the backup because he's a player who, what I really noticed about him in college is 
processes extremely quickly, gets the ball out of his hands extremely quickly. So that's where I do think he can win the backup job. Um, and I've talked about, I think he could be an offensive coordinator in like eight years from now, or he'll be running some, you know, uh, he'll be some college's OC, you know, like a big 12 offensive coordinator in 10 years or something. And Magoo is just kind of like an athlete. Tanner Lee is going to get cut. They drafted Tanner Lee. When they drafted him, I texted uh, probably you, Steve, and I said, uh, they drafted Tanner Lee to make Blake Bortles feel confident about himself. And uh, now that Bortles isn't there, there's no need for a guy like Tanner Lee. Yeah, Parks, looking at um, the running back group, Carlos Hyde ends up getting released by them. Lenny Fournette's obviously still there. Alfred Blue gets a one-year deal. Benny Cunningham's in. They draft Raquel Armstead at 140th. You can talk about who his comp is because he's on their team. Um, Parks, how do you feel about this running back group? Yeah, Leonard Fournette, it's a tough situation. And, you know, it, it's not even, um, you know, hindsight analysis or anything because I had Leonard Fournette ranked as the number four running back in that draft class. And he went number four overall in the entire draft class. So you knew that was a reach at the time. And, you know, they were investing in this idea that if we can run the ball with uh, Blake Bortles at quarterback and run play action off of it. And it was you knew it was a bad idea at the time. And despite the fact that their defense was so good that they got away with it, um, it, was an, it was an overdrafting. And, I mean, <laughs> people always say, you know, they passed on Deshaun Watson. They passed on Mahomes. Um, they even, in my opinion, passed on O.J. Howard, which if you truly broke it down and you said, if we want to run power, <laughs> you could argue that O.J. Howard is more valuable to, to like blocking because of the space that he creates for a guy. Like like you said, Rykel Armstead, who you could get in the middle rounds, then Fournette because, you know, Fournette is great in that he's so big and he's so fast, the combination of it, but... He's not necessarily elusive in open space, and he actually does catch a little more than some people think, so he's a little bit decent in terms of his fantasy value um, because, like I was saying, if Foles gets the ball out of his hands quickly, there could be some checkdowns to Fournette, but um, the issues with Fournette come down to, um, you know, it was the most hyped-up prospect since Adrian Peterson or whatever in high school, and like never necessarily lived up to it in college, a lot of it because he was um, hampered by injuries, so that's an issue. And then you say, okay, you know, hampered by injuries throughout college. First season, you know, gets a real heavy workload. And as the season goes down, you know, I think he starts to get some hamstring injuries. And you're like, man, you know, that's frustrating. Um, you do start to look into his uh, rookie season because a lot of people say, oh, you know, that rookie season, you know, people were justifying Saquon Barkley going second overall by saying, they took Fournette fourth overall, and look where they got. Um, I would just say that that defense was pretty uh, pretty special in their ability to get sacks and takeaways, and I think that Fournette would hit you know one big run every single game because they would just consistently you know wear teams out and would consistently get good field position. And um, he was a better fantasy bet because you know he's he's getting all these goal line carries created by the defense, or he's getting all this late yardage work created by the defense, whereas he wasn't necessarily. I don't think that they were winning games last season or the season before because of Leonard Fournette. So that's where you you know you keep going back to the fact that um, he's he's got all these injury issues. Um, he was injured in his, you know wears down in his first season, gets injured early into his second season, um, and then sputters out into his second season in where he's like kind of in the doghouse. Um, gets in a fight against the Buffalo Bills and then gets suspended for the last week of the season where. <laughs> It was a really weird situation because um, he was sitting there with his arms folded and I guess CBS 
or something showed him with his arms folded and Tom Coughlin just like had a stroke. It was just like, he just couldn't believe that, um, that his demeanor would be like that or something along those lines, which I mean, you know, Tom Coughlin is trying to, you know, establish a culture in Jacksonville, but as we're going to get into with the rest of this, it almost is sounding like he's, um, losing the locker room a little bit more and, you know, he's losing a guy like Leonard Fournette and they were, you know, discussing, um, you know, the future of a guy like Leonard Fournette. And um, like you said, they drafted Ryquel Armstead, who I think for the most part, they're saying that, um, you know, what I just said about Leonard Fournette is that um, he's big, he's over 220 pounds. And I think Armstead had like the best uh, weight adjusted speed due to his uh, size and 4-4 dynamics. So um, a big player who has that breakaway speed, he's not elusive. He can put his foot down and go, you know, straight, but he's not too elusive. So they can run a very similar style to each other. Um, the difference is, I would say, Armstead doesn't catch uh, the footballs naturally out of the backfield. And he's, um, I think Fournette has better vision overall than him and could set up um, blocks overall. So, I mean, that's where it gets iffy, especially because Alfred Blue's behind him, who's an excellent pass protector. And Benny Cunningham's an excellent pass protector. And Armstead, another thing, he's not the best pass protector. They were in a really run-heavy offense there. So um, that's where, you know, I, I sometimes look for Armstead, and, you know, thinking Fournette's going to get hurt at some point. <laughs> you know, you, what, I should be there to capitalize on, on it with a backup running back. But then I also think they're going to mix in Blue and Cunningham just enough to where Armstead isn't even going to be worth it. So um, it is, you know, Leonard Fournette typically goes um, – to a point where he's higher than I typically tend to draft him. Mainly, um, I have guys like uh, Derrick Henry, Carryon Johnson, and Aaron Jones ahead of him. And it's usually, if if he's the bottom guy in that t tier with those couple people, then you're usually going to miss out on him overall. So I, I usually, I'm okay with missing out on him because, um, like I said, I think he's going to get hurt at some point, and I don't think the franchise is nearly as committed to him. Um, not only in that, they're completely soured on the idea of, you know, He's not their number four overall pick anymore. He's a third-year player who's been hurt twice and is beefing with the GM, you know, and has been suspended a couple times and everything like that. That's how they're viewing Fournette now. And he has the injuries. And like I said, DiFilippo, um, in a perfect world, he's running the football to close out games, you know, and I'm just sitting here saying, how many games are they going to close out? That's why I have Fournette a little bit lower than some people. And that's my overall stance on Fournette. And like I said, um, you can go back to the draft and just think about Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, and Dalvin Cook. And I know Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon had uh, off-field issues, but still, you know, number four overall, uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Especially just where who else they could have got there. They could have just waited on running back there, Parks. But looking at the wide receiver group, uh, Dante Moncrief has gone to the Steelers. They bring in Chris Conley and Terrell Pryor, Parks. We're still looking at Marquise Lee, Chark, and D.D. Westbrook here and some Keelan Cole action. Um, how do you feel about this group? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting group. Um, I think that their first off, D.D. Westbrook is probably – um, you know, they're, they're somewhat leader of the group, or he's probably going to lead the team. And the key for him is he's best off in the slot, so they want to really keep him in the slot. Not only that, um, he really stresses safeties deep down the middle of the field from the slot. That's a, that's a great attribute of his um, to be able to do from the slot, and it helps because Nick Foles, with that effort ability, has always typically... Um, He's usually a little bit better throwing down the seams than to the outside, so I think D.D. Westbrook's a great... Um, fit for him. I don't draft him too, too much in fantasy because, um, I really, I'm nervous about all the other pieces around him and how exactly they're going to fit it around him. And, um, you know, how much is coverage going to just completely zoom in on a guy like D.D. Westbrook who, you know, I mean, D.D. Westbrook is, 
Um, he's not bad at all. You know, he kind of, he's underrated in NFL circles because he was like a Heisman candidate, um, in college, but he was like 23 coming out of college and he had domestic violence issues. And, you know, you slide down to like the fourth round of the draft because of that. And, um, you don't really get too much attention because of that. But, um, like I said, he was super dynamic at Oklahoma in a, in a similar role to like, they always, you know, just pump these guys out like, you know, Kenny Stills, um, and Hollywood Brown and stuff like that. And, uh, he, you know, was right there. In that role, I would say one of the best attributes of him compared to those guys was his ability to um, like fight the football through contested coverage, and that's where I was going back to Nick Foles. Um, I think he'll just throw it up for Didi with the anticipation of you know I don't care that you're five ten, you play like you're six three, and he really does play that physical. So um, he's easily, in my opinion, the best bet in terms of the fantasy. It's just he also goes. Um, like I said, a little bit higher than, you know, I'm kind of looking at other spots. And if he if he falls, I'll definitely take him because I like his upside. And I like if they can get him the ball in the slot, I like that. It's just, like I was saying, who are you going to get on the outsides to, um, you know, be able to consistently use him in the slot? Marquise Lee is the obvious hope. Um, he had two years over 700 yards. Um, his past two seasons was, you know, f early into his career was looking like a bust. Um, later into, you know, I mean, it's like his fourth or fifth season, but uh, first two years was really looking like a bust. Like next couple of years, like I said, over over 700 yards and then doesn't play at all last season, gets hurt um, really before the season starts. So he should be completely healthy. Um, it's just tough to say exactly what you can get from him. Um, you're hoping that you can get an outside X receiver who can, you know, kind of catch those, you know, quick little passes over the middle of the field and everything like that. And that's where he becomes not too bad of a player. But um, what you really need then is an outside Z player. And that's where you're looking at uh, DJ Chark, potentially. He's in his second year from LSU. Um, he's still pretty unrefined, not only as a route runner, but um, he could take some classes from D.D. Westbrook learning how to pluck the football out of the air because he has the size and physical upside, but D.D. knows how to get the football. So um, Chark has potential. Chris Conley was actually on the Chiefs when Nick Foles was there. Um, they, they played in two games together. He had like six catches for 100 yards. So, I mean, there's somewhat of a connection there, but my stance on Chris Conley is that, and I was listening, some people were saying that, um, oh, he's going to be so much better than Moncrief, who actually had like 500 yards last season. I mean, if Chris Conley couldn't do that with uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's going to go there with Nick Foles and just be better than Moncrief, who, um, you know, actually had a good season with Luck, and then because he was with Bortles, had a worse season. Like, I just don't see that whatsoever. I don't see... Um, you know, like I said, if a guy can't, if a deep field player cannot connect with Patrick Mahomes, then he's not going to connect with anybody. So you got to move on from, I mean, I'm not looking into Chris Conley. And then Keelan Cole's the other one who um, had a really good uh, 2017, you know, was just one of those players where they were running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, like I said, and Bortles was doing that play action and just like, Guys like Keelan Cole were, you know, guys like D.D. Westbrook. Every week it was a different guy coming down with it. Um, last season, you know, it, it just didn't go, you know, whether it be Bortles, Fournette, the offensive line, it just, uh, Keelan Cole, it just didn't go the way that any of them had planned. So they're looking for, you know, they're hoping that Marquise Lee can be healthy and play the X. It keeps D.D. Westbrook in the slot, and then they have a Z between Chark, uh, Conley, and Cole. I would put my money on Cole. And that makes him, I mean, last round in fantasy potential. But um, it's not the best wide receiver core. And um, they are going to, you know, go to D.D. Westbrook a lot. It's just I don't know if an offense in the NFL will be too, too great going around D.D. Westbrook. So 
Um, they also have Terrell Pryor, who um, may make the team as a tight end because he's so big, and the way that the you know DeFilippo wants to use a tight end is a, a basically a slot player. So um, you know they may use him as like an extra slot player if he makes the roster. It's been like two years since he's done anything. And Tyree Brady's a rookie from Marshall who um, may make the roster, but also may be a practice squad. Looking at those tight ends, Park, uh, Ben Koyak's in the last year of his deal. They drafted Josh Oliver at 69th overall, and Joff Swain is in there now. Parks, how do you feel about those guys? Yeah, it's pretty boring right now, and that's why you do have to look into and say, um, you know, a guy like Terrell Pryor and a guy like Filippo might want to get creative or, you know, more than might want to. He actually might get that creative and do that. Um, you look at Koyak and Swaim, I mean, you know, they're both they're middle-of-the-road blockers, middle-of-the-road pass catchers. You're not really getting much out of either one of them. Um, they, were, you know, looked for Swaim to replace uh, Witten in Dallas and ended up pulling, you know, Witten out of retirement. Josh Oliver is easily the one to watch. He's the one that I think will be what DiFilippo absolutely identifies in a tight end. I think that when DiFilippo was watching him, he sees him as Zach Ertz and wants to use him as Zach Ertz. Um, you know, he's super unrefined as a blocker, and that's why it's tough to bet on in his rookie season because I'm betting that they're going to have a really uh, – it's going to be almost a tell when he's on the field that they're going to pass the football because he's, he just doesn't bring enough as a blocker yet. But he was one of the best receiving tight ends in all of college football last year. Um, obviously didn't have much help in terms of his quarterback play, but he's a big player who can split the seams, go over the middle of the field. Like I said, that's where Foles wants to go the most. It's just, you know, um, how often can he attack that with, you know, Oliver and uh, Didi? If the, you know, you need somebody on the outside to draw that attention over there. Um, and like I said, Oliver needs to um, at least refine his game a little bit more. I think it took Ertz a couple seasons to really become, and I mean, Ertz is almost, you know, he's at least somewhat of a tight end, but he's a lot of a slot receiver too, but it still took him some time because there has to at least be a threat that he can block, and I don't think Oliver has that coming into his rookie season, so he's a guy that, you know, you don't draft him, but maybe in like week six or week seven, if him and Foles can start to get something over the middle of the field, you'll look to him, but that's where you're saying that, you know, they may need to keep a guy like Terrell Pryor on this roster because they need to find somebody in terms of a big body that he can throw to over the middle of the field. Parks, looking at the offensive line here, Eric Flowers is gone. Jeremy Parnell released. Um, they ended up trading up to 35 to grab Juwan Taylor. Um, they ended up getting Cedric Obuye from the Bengals. New deals for AJ Can, Tyler Shatley, and Josh Wells. How do you feel about this group? Yeah, the big thing is Cam Robinson coming back. Um, in his rookie season, you know, almost like I was saying, you know, how OJ Howard would be such a um, almost more valuable to opening up a running game than Leonard Fournette. Um, Cam Robinson's ability in the ground game, I think, was extremely valuable. And um, you also look at some of his on-off splits from the last two seasons, and you say that Blake Bortles' sack rate has gone up entirely um, with him off of the field. And, you know, some of it can be Bortles, some of it can be him. A lot of it can be, you're going back to saying, Foles is going to take a ton less sacks than Blake Bortles did. And that, in turn makes your offense a lot better. I mean, you know, you just don't have a guy that's shooting you in the foot immediately. Um, that helps. Um, and yeah, it's, it's the fact that he's getting the ball out of his hands quicker, but it's the fact that Cam Robinson is coming back. You have to say that um, 
Cam Robinson, almost similarly to Fournette, slowly as the, you know, his rookie season, he kind of hits a rookie wall, doesn't have a year two. You know, what kind of year three is he going to have? Is he going to take the progression? Is he going to be coming back from a season ending injury? Is that going to take some time? Um, in my opinion, that affects most the running game. Um, so that's going to be pretty big. Although, like I said, you know, he had a, a huge impact in terms of, uh, in terms of the sacks and everything. Norwell just got a huge payday. Um, didn't have a great season last year. You also start to say, well, you know, the pieces fell around. Everyone fell apart around him last season. You know, Cam Robinson was out. We're going to get to Brandon Linder, the center, um, a really underrated center. Um, I know you have some stats that, you know, when he was out last season, they couldn't get it together on offense. They couldn't, you know, figure it out on offense. So um, he's coming back. The sack should be limited a little bit there. Um, he's a little bit more athletic in his movement. Maybe you can get Leonard Fournette um, some toss plays out to the edge, and he gets rumbling, and then he's breaking some bigger yards. You know, that's what you're hoping in terms of this offensive line. Um, like you said, they brought A.J. Can back, but he's going to compete with um, a guy like Tyler Shatley because Can missed some time last year, and um, Shatley was in there. Um, he was in there at center, and he can move into guard a little bit. And, uh, and then at right tackle, they, uh, they had Eric Flower. Well, first they had Parnell, who got hurt, and then they brought in Eric flowers and that was obviously um absolutely awful you know it was crazy because the Giants offensive line starts the season with flowers and uh Patrick Omame and everyone's like oh my gosh that Giants offensive line is so bad and by the end of the season the Jaguars have uh Eric Flowers and Omame and you know no wonder it obviously fell apart for them um they did move on from you know Parnell for injuries flowers for performance um they got Will Richardson a seventh rounder can compete Josh Wells can compete um, Abwehi, not betting on it. He was, you know, a bust from the, the Bengals. And then Jawan Taylor. Um, Jawan Taylor is interesting because he looks like, you know, um, he could have been a first-round pick. He fell to number 35. Um, a lot of it comes down to medical issues, and it comes down to people were concerned with his weight from what I was reading. So, I, like I said, I thought he, he was worthy of a first-round pick, and he's potentially worthy to start. But, I mean, if he's if he's underweight, and that's something that, you know, I'm obviously, I would obviously be nervous about that. So you can look around and you can say, it's almost the same thing as, you know, it's similar to the Foles idea of no matter what, this group should be better. It's just how much better are they really going to be um, considering Robinson back from injury, Linder back from injury, Jawan Taylor rookie, um, and, you know, some of the continuity of trying to jam all of it together. So how much better is this offensive line going to be? And, how, you know, what's it going to absolutely result in? If at least they do, you know, they have some enough name value in there. They committed enough in there. It's just, um, you know, it, it's going to be valuable to see. Um, the biggest pieces is are the two tackles, you know, Cam Robinson back from injury, Taylor the rookie. So we'll see. Yeah, Parks, they have some pieces. It'll be interesting to see how that all comes together. But we can move on to the defensive side of the ball here. They ended up releasing Malik Jackson, exercised the team option of Calais Campbell and Josh Allen. The edge rusher from Kentucky falls to them at seven, Parks. Um, do you want to start here with the defensive line, guys, and we can work our way out? Right, yeah. Calais Campbell's going to be an interesting one because, um, like you said, they re-signed him, obviously, and he's a player who is so versatile 
that he can line up all over the defensive line. So the pieces that you put around him makes things easier. You know, he could play it on in a 4-3 defense on the defensive end. He can also slide in and be a defensive tackle. I think that as this, you know, they lose a guy like Malik Jackson. I think what they're saying is um, as Campbell progresses, gets a little bit older, maybe he doesn't have that flexibility around the edge or that combination of speed and flexibility around the edge. Maybe he's just going to be a dog, um, you know, bursting upfield in terms of sliding inside for a little bit. I think that can extend his career. It can get him um, even, you know, to keep up his same pass rushing statistics that he's been, you know, electric in terms of as a pass rusher. And then you say, okay, that works, especially in terms of, um, well, it's going to be interesting because of how the pieces are going to roll out around him because you have Darius, who's a run defender, who, you know, on the early downs, he'll get in there. And um, I think Aubrey Jones, you know, can, can shuffle in too. So on those downs, you could see Campbell on the outside defending the run. But on the um, on third downs, you would like to see Campbell um, next to Taven Bryan, a first-round pick from uh, Florida last season, who... Um, He's a guy, he can get off the feet, off the football like crazy, doesn't necessarily know where he's going yet, um, still trying to put all some of the pieces together, but has all the explosion in the world, and you think that if you could put him next to a guy like Calais Campbell, especially on third downs, that would be a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, pass rush. So you could say, okay, Campbell on, you know, first and second down, defending the run with guys like Darius and Aubrey Jones, slides inside with Taven Bryan, that works. Um, who's going to rush off of the edges? Um, you're hoping Yannick Ngakwe, uh, he's, I think he's going to hold out from camp and he's looking for a new deal because he was like a third round pick and he's completely um, exceeded everybody's expectations. You know, he's a player, what was so fascinating with him was he always won with his bend and flexibility around the edge, but it didn't really show up at the combine in terms of his, his three cone scores or anything like that. So um, he's just kind of able to, he just has that dip and he's able to get low enough to where um, he's able to get around the edge, but he does, he's do a new contract. He deserves a new contract. It's going to be fascinating to see, um, you know, because he's holding out and then, you know, they got Jalen Ramsey on the docket. They got, a, you know, some other players that they're really starting to look into and they just paid Nick Foles. So um, the Ngakwe news is going to be huge because, um, you know, how long does he hold out? How does this affect the team? Like I said, they need him on third downs to pass rush. On the other side, they're hoping that's where Josh Allen can come in. The former seventh pick um, kind of fell to them a little bit. Um, he fell a little bit because not necessarily a run stuff stuffer yet. At this point, he's a he's a main pass rusher. Um, I said on you know his podcast as we talked about him, he kind of has one move, but that move is so good that it's going to get him, you know, on the field at some points in his in his rookie season. So I mean, like I said on third down, when you slide Calais inside next to Taven Bryan, and you have Josh Allen the pass rushing specialist and Ngakwe the pass rushing specialist, you can really get after the pass uh, the passer there. It's just, um, yeah, you know, if, if Allen's not necessarily ready for the rundowns and Ngakwe's holding out and then Calais is, you know, kind of holding up on the outside, he's not as vicious on third downs on the inside, there's kind of the, um, you know, the effect, the totem pole effect there. And then Dwayne Smoot is some depth, Detone Jones is some depth. They help the fact that if, you know, Ngakwe, if they're missing snaps from him, if he's, you know, getting conditioned, everything like that, it helps, but... um the key is if Ngakwe is holding out or if he's not signed, um, there's some trouble there. And you know, you really have to start looking into um, this. This defensive line may take a step back from what we usually have known. If he gets his payday and he's you know not missing any camp, and Josh Allen, the rookie's progressing 
on third down, they should have a vicious pass rush, and it should be a strength of their team. So just another one. I don't think it's as serious as offensive line. I think it could be a, an issue as much as it could be a helper. I think this will be, you know, it could be an elite group. It could just be a good group. Um, where are they going to fall in between there? That's kind of where I'm sitting on them right now. Moving back a level there, Parks, um, with the linebackers, Telvin Smith is taking a year off. Not entirely sure the reasoning behind that. He just said he needs to get his life in order. Um, they bring in Jake Ryan from the Packers. He missed all of 2018 to ACL surgery, but he made an impact as a two-year starter before that, so a nice little flyer there. They also take uh, Quincy Williams at 98th overall, bring in DJ Alexander from the Eagles, Najee Good from the Colts, and Rameek Wilson from the Rams. Parks, a lot of guys here, a lot of names. How do you feel about this group? Yeah, definitely. First off, got to give a shout out to Telvin Smith because um, back when I was in college, this was like one of those players that, um, as like I said, I'm like graduating from college, trying to figure out what I want to do. Which is, He's a guy that like, I, I used to bet on college football a lot and didn't, uh, I don't really do it anymore, but that Florida State team uh, with Jameis Winston went undefeated, and I was riding them, and I was saying that this guy, Telvin Smith, is so much better than anyone's given him credit for, and I kept saying he was just as valuable as a guy like Cam Chancellor because Seattle won the Super Bowl the year Florida State won the national championship, and I was just like, I was like, this is like a first-round pick. Telvin Smith is a first-round pick, and I only have like, you know, like a couple calls where uh, you're just like, man, you actually know what you're talking about, and some of these, you know, teams don't necessarily know what they're talking about and Telvin Smith is one of those that um as the years go on I continue to develop confidence because of a guy like Telvin Smith so like he doesn't even know that he's doing it but uh, a guy like Telvin Smith has helped me grow a lot of confidence because you do watch him and you're just like how did he felt like the fourth round and people thought like I said I mean he was similar to Chancellor in that he was like an undersized linebacker but um just couldn't believe it he was such a talent and he grew into like the best player um at his position in the NFL and um you know, like I said, because I'm a Pittsburgh guy, one of the most impressive games, and it was it's hard to watch, but I've watched it so many times because it was so impressive. His playoff performance against the Steelers was one of the best individual performances you'll ever see. He had like 18 tackles and a forced fumble. Um, might even had a pick in that game. Uh, what was crazy is everyone talks about... Oh, Le'Veon Bell was talking crap. What an asshole. This and that. Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell was amazing in that game. That was one of the best games I've ever seen Le'Veon Bell play. And Telvin Smith's ability to track down Le'Veon Bell, I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was a man possessed. You'll never see. I mean, it was like a... I watched the Junior Seau. It was it was similar to Junior Seau in the playoffs. If you He had like an 18 tackle game. Telvin Smith did too. But... um. What I'm getting at is he's so much more valuable than I don't think anybody realizes. And I talked about it with the Steelers all the time, with Ryan Shazier, how when you lose that speed over the middle of the field, it's not as easily replaceable as some people might think. Um, you know, and a lot of a lot of people are, you know, looking into the statistics behind it and this and that, and how valuable are linebackers. They're not getting paid that much, they're easily replaceable. I'm just telling you, um, and you know, I'm telling you from recent years as well, you know, Roquan Smith goes top ten, Devin White and Devin Bush, because teams are starting to say, and you know, safeties are going higher, box safeties are going higher, because teams are starting to say these people have more value than they used to have um, because you'd need that speed. And not only that, he's a play caller over the middle of the field because I'm going to get to Miles Jack can, for the most part, replace the speed. The issue with him is, uh, you know, he's due a contract too, and you're wondering what his situation with the team is um, because, like I said, Ngakwe is way ahead of him in terms of getting paid, but now you're going to Jack and you're saying, you're not just the speed run and chase player. You have to step into the uh, – 
the play caller that Telvin Smith was. And like I said, the Telvin Smith was just so freaking elite um, in that ability. So it's a huge step forward for Miles Jack, who's in the middle of a contract year. So that's a, you know, it's big for him. And you say Jake Ryan is a player who could potentially, um, in terms of uh, the mental processing and everything like that, could potentially step in for a guy like Telvin Smith a little bit. But his, you know, he lacks so much speed. So, you know, you lose a lot of the play calling with Jack. You lose a lot of the speed with Ryan. They drafted Quincy Williams, um, who I, bar I barely even knew who he was when they drafted him 100th overall. Apparently, it was Quinnen Williams, his cousin, from a really small school, um, apparently insanely athletic, and they're talking him up really highly as if he could potentially start next season. And, you know, he's their Darius Leonard and all this. Um, I just, I, I got to see that one before I believe it, you know, especially um, just wondering, like I said, how he's going to fit. Those are some pretty huge shoes to fill. And then, like you said, I mean, bringing in a cast of characters to try and just, you know, um, I think they were somewhat blindsided. I think they still don't, you know, like you said, you don't know what it is. Um, I know, you know, I think Tom Coughlin has said that he's not necessarily sure. Everybody's wishing Talvin Smith the best. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, be, because he's, he's helped me in my, you know, career and everything, um, obviously help him, you know, hope for the best for him. But I mean, he's a, he, I really think that this linebacker core could take a huge step back and it could really start to affect the rest of the entire defense because, um, the pass rush might be good. But like I said, there's enough questions in the pass rush that, um, if you give quarterbacks that extra second over the middle of the field and whether it be Ryan's a second late or Jack's, you know, a second behind or something like that. That's where, you know, you start to see those effects of Telvin Smith. So we'll really start to see um, how valuable a linebacker was. I mean, I thought, like I talked about in the Steelers podcast, I think it, it uh, really limited their ceiling. It obviously ended, you know, kicking them out of the playoffs. I think this, in the same regard, um, you know, I, don't, I just don't see how Quincy Williams and Jake Ryan can replace what they lost from Telvin Smith. Parkson, looking at the uh, secondary to round things out here, Tashawn Gibson ended up getting released. Um, but they brought in Gerard Wilson on a three-year, $9 million deal. They exercised Jalen Ramsey's fifth-year option, and they brought in Savion Smith as UDFA from Alabama. Starting with the corners here, Parks, AJ Bouye still there, DJ Hayden and Ramsey. How do you feel about that group? Right. They, you know, on paper, it should be a good combination in terms of, you know, Bouye, the technician, Ramsey, the freak athlete with the size and everything. They can obviously play off of each other. But, um, you know, Ramsey's talking about a contract. And like I said, you know, Jack's talking about a contract. Uh, Ngakwe's talking about a contract. They just paid Nick Foles big money. Um, Telvin Smith's leaving. And, you know, now Ramsey, you know, so there's so much heading into training camp um, that's on the line. And I keep, you know, talking to you saying these defensive players are looking at what this team has done on offense. And, you know, they put stupid money into Fournette. They put stupid money into Bortles. And now they're overpaying Nick Foles. And they said that they overpaid Nick Foles. Um, you know, they admitted to it, you know, to win over the locker room and show that, you know, he's making the big boy money. And I'm saying... No, Jalen Ramsey's sitting here saying, "Why would you overpay Nick Foles? I'll respect him when he wins, but I like I got I still got to get mine." And now he's taking a piece of the pie that whether he deserves or not, we'll see. But I don't think that I don't think that that's sitting right for Ngakwe, and I don't think that's sitting right for Jack, and I don't think that's sitting right for Ramsey, who were staples of a defense who took them that far. Um, yeah, Nick Foles took them, you know, whatever. But like I said, I think that Eagles team was so great that you know. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Nick Foles could have won uh, with that Jaguars team a few years ago in, in Bortles situation. But now that some of these pieces have moved, um, it's going to be interesting because it's obviously 
Um, you know, Ramsey has to compete still, but the thing that Ramsey was doing last year was, um, and I talked about it in the, you can listen to our, uh, if you listen to after the Chiefs game, when the Jaguars played the Chiefs, I started talking about how the Jaguars defense looked around and said that there's no way we can go back and forth with any team like the Chiefs, as good as our defense may be. It may be the best in the league, but the Chiefs are going to score on the best in the league, and we need we can't go with Bortles fumbling and giving the Chiefs the ball to 20-yard line. That's never going to win us anything. And you started to see um, multiple players. You know, Barry Church is gone, uh, you know, because of uh, he really was one of those players who you started to say just doesn't care whatsoever. But Jalen Ramsey really started to freelance last year and, you know, was just doing really whatever the hell he wanted to do, just trying to, you know, make plays, um, look good, um, everything like that, and um, got torched a few times, but it shows up on the All-22. It doesn't show up on highlight reels, so, you know, it doesn't it doesn't affect him too much, but um, he talked about, you know, he apologized to the team for it and did finish the season strong, and he's not talking too much this offseason, whereas last season he was running his mouth, but I'm, not, I'm walking into this season saying that, especially now that they paid Nick Foles, if Nick Foles doesn't ball out like a franchise quarterback, and I'm Ramsey, and I'm saying this franchise is not going to pay me long term, I'm going back to freelancing. You know, that's what you you have to be so worried about this defense. Um, and like you said, uh, uh, we can get into the safeties later, but yeah, they shift. You know, Hayden into the slot that should be fine. Savion Smith. I mean, I don't like the depth on this roster. Um, beyond the fact that I'm worried about you know how much freelancing Ramsey's going to do, how much a guy like Boye, you know. Boye is probably just sitting back, you know, got his money. We'll see what, you know, is going to happen. It's an interesting uh, locker room dynamic that they have in Jacksonville that um, really, you know, more than any other team, you're reading the camp quotes because, um, like I said, Ngakwe makes the pass rush. Miles Jack, they're so desperate with for Miles Jack and Ramsey in the back end. I mean, these are superstars of your defense, and all of them are disgruntled or, you know, Telvin Smith is out of the league. Um, you know, that defense that took you to the AFC ship and you said, all we need is a quarterback who can get the ball out of his hands and not screw us over. And now you have Foles and, you know, all of a sudden you're sacrificing the defense. Parks, like you said, to round things out with the safety group, like uh, Tashawn Gibson ended up getting released. And like I said, they brought in Gerard Wilson, three-year, $9 million deal. Also have Ronnie Harrison, Cody Davis there. I mean, the secondary as a whole doesn't look like it has a whole lot of depth. But how do you feel about the safety group? Yeah, I'm not as high as, you know, um, and Gibson and Church both were kind of down from last season, uh, the 2017 season, they were both down, but I still don't necessarily know if they have, you know, stud level replacements, you know, Wilson stepped in and could potentially be a free safety, Ronnie Harrison really started to play um, as the season went on, started to um, first get some box stuff, um, some dime roll, then as Barry Church was, you know, uh, just fading out towards the end of the season. Uh, they started to get Ronnie Harrison in there. Um, I mean, I, I'm not the biggest Harrison guy, and I know he's heading into his second year, but I thought that Fitzpatrick, Minka Fitzpatrick at Bama, really helped his communication ability. And that's where I'm going back to saying Telvin Smith, losing that communication in that back end, I think that affects a guy like Harrison's second-year development. And then, you know, Jared Wilson, and I'm going back to saying if Jalen Ramsey's freelancing and you don't have an experienced free safety back there or the communication isn't as in sync as it has been in, you know, recent years, um, they're starting to give up more plays. And that's, you know, okay, the pass rush could be good. You know, it's it's betting a lot on Ngakwe, but it could be good, should be good, everything like that. But um, as you get back, there's, there's holes to poke in this defense. And that's what I keep saying. The offense could get better. It should get better. It's going to get better. They're not going to take as many sacks. Um, the offensive line has the potential to take a step forward. 
it's it's they're lo you know they missed they ha there's a window in sports you know you can only have such an open window and you have to take advantage of that window and it's it's really closing really fast now and they you know they're just trying to sneak in um, as it's closing you know Indiana Jones style just like slide under slide in but uh, we'll see you know like I, I really think their safeties you know like they weren't great last season but I don't think they're going to get better this season is kind of the issue. Parks looking at their regular season win totals. You got seven and a half shaded towards the over. The under and seven and a half is plus one hundred five. Um, looking at eight, it's shaded towards the under minus one twenty five. So they have them rated about seven and a half. Um, how do you feel about the Jags this year? I like them to go under. I really do. Um, I think that there's a couple things that you can look into. Um, like I keep saying, they're going to get better at quarterback. They're going to get better on the offensive line. I think that that's enough to believe into. But I think that their defense is, um, like you said, they lost some depth. Not only did they lose some depth, I think Telvin Smith is going to take some serious replacement to do. Not only that, I just think that the, it's like there's such a bad smell around them because of the Telvin Smith thing and because Ngakwe is holding out and because Ramsey, um, I was telling you, you know, he's, he's like in a the Titans safeties pictures and he's talking to Hopkins on Instagram saying, you know, sign me. And I'm saying, you know, it's one thing that he's doing that. That's not, you know, the best thing that you want to see. It's the other that it's division rival. You know, I just think that Ramsey doesn't have respect for the front office. Um, and it goes back to, like I said, with Fournette and you kind of go back through the whole positions. Okay. in you know, locker room dynamics, Foles, potentially, you know, a lot of these defensive players are saying, well, I'm on a rookie-scale contract, and you just overpaid Foles, and you're saying you overpaid Foles to show that he has authority over me? You know, that doesn't necessarily sound like, you know, the best deal in the world. Fournette, week 17, uh, you know, getting scolded by the front office, and now we, you know, are we betting on him to come back and be healthy and play up to, you know, the best level? Um, you know, the wide receiver core has some issues. They have a rookie tight end. You're looking at the offensive line saying, you know, Cam Robinson's coming back. They have a rookie right tackle. Um, a lot of their offensive line interiorly was banged up. You know, are they going to get back to themselves? And then all the holes on the defense. And you say, if this thing broke right, they could hit that 8-8 eight and eight mark. And that's, that's where you start saying, this thing is not going to break right. You know, they're going to win five or six games again next season, um, despite the fact that they have a better quarterback and offensive line. So I'm really waiting before I go like all in on this. I just want to see some quotes from training camp. Um, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Ngakwe, three people I'm really just... I'm, I'm interested to see what they have to say, honestly, because um, I might just go, you know, fully fading the Jaguars this year. Uh, we'll see because I just have a – they leave me with a bad taste in their mouth, so we'll see. Uh, like I said, I mean, I don't even – there's not even any fantasy bets on this team. D.D. Westbrook's the best one. That's about it. Yeah, Parks, that'll be an interesting one, you know, for you and I at least to talk about. I'm sure we'll mention if we end up getting down on that under, but that'll do it for the AFC South Parks. We're on to the last division in the AFC with the West. Next time we'll be doing the Denver Broncos, so be sure to check that one out as well.